0: Hello and welcome to this week's Rennick Centre podcast. My name is Trudy Smith and I'm the Manager of Continuing Professional Education at the RIDBC Rennick Centre. It gives me great pleasure to welcome today's host, Emma Benison. Emma, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience?
1: Sure, thanks Trudy and thanks for having me. Um, so, yes, I am the CEO of Blind Citizens Australia, Blind Citizens Australia being the national representative organisation of um, people who are blind or vision impaired. And um, I've been working as CEO since 2017. And um, prior to that, spent some time as president of the organization um, as a board member. And before that, um, working at um, branch level locally in Brisbane. So I've had a long association with BCA and I've been a member since um, 1992. And of course, um, given that I'm a member, uh, that means that I myself am totally blind as well.
0: Right. Thanks so much, Emma. And after that long involvement with BCA, you have certainly understand the work. So you're well-placed to be the CEO. Can you tell us a little bit about the work of Blind
1: Citizens Australia? Yeah, absolutely. We have, I guess, three streams of work that we do. And we talk about the fact that we inform, connect and empower um, through the work that we do. So... In terms of what we do to inform people, we, um, we have lots of um, different um, publications. We have a weekly um, radio program and podcast called New Horizons um, and we, we have um, lots of um, other, I guess, opportunities for people to stay informed through coming together and, um, you know, for events and, and to hear from experts and so forth. We also um, answer lots and lots of telephone inquiries about everything from you know, the disability support pension blind through to people who might be struggling um, you know, with, uh, with education or advocacy issues. So, um, so that's that aspect. We also um, do, our, do our best to connect people through um, things like our national convention, um, which uh, generally has been a face-to-face event that this year um, went um, online and we'll be doing another one of those um, next year. Um, and that is a really great opportunity for people to come together and actually speak to one another and gain great peer support. The other um, aspect of peer support that we, um, that we do is through our local branches, <clears throat> as I mentioned earlier, um, our local branches um, we have thirteen of them around the country, and it's it's a really fantastic opportunity for people to come together um, and talk about issues that impact them as people who are blind or vision impaired. Um, and you know, whether people have recently um, acquired their vision loss or whether they've been blind or vision impaired since birth, it's really fantastic for people to have that opportunity to come together and learn from one another um i've certainly learned a huge amount about everything from you know parenting to um you know living independently and a whole lot else in between just from from other people who are blind or vision impaired Um, and then i guess guess it's
0: it's really around that you know people with lived experience are the experts aren't they
1: yeah absolutely i I mean look there's a huge amount that um you know um educators and the service providers and so forth can teach us Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we have to survive um, in a sighted world, and um, you know, we have to figure out how to how to do that. Um, and it's a lot more than just skill development. Um, you know, there are there are lots of aspects to to doing that. So um, yeah, learning from each other is is critical, and understanding that you know we're not alone um, in experiencing you know things in particular ways, or you know there are there are solutions out there that um you know perhaps we weren't aware of. So it's fantastic opportunity. Um, And then the final aspect of our work is about um, empowering people. And we do that through um, our individual advocacy service. So if people have um, a scenario where they are um coming up against barriers to being able to do whatever it is they want to do, um, whether that's you know um, within the the school setting or the tertiary setting or maybe know they've got a pedestrian safety um, issue that they're trying to you know maybe they're trying to get audible traffic signals in their local community whatever it is Um, you know we do provide an advocacy service um, for people where their issue relates to blindness or vision impairment we also do a lot of work in the systemic advocacy space um, and campaigning um, area and so you know recently one example would be that we um, worked with the rest of the blindness sector Um, and and have been over for over 25 years to get audio description on Australian television. And um, at the end of 2019, the government announced funding to the ABC and SBS um, to provide 14 hours per week of audio description on both of those networks. Um, So that is is a fantastic example of, um, I guess, both the effectiveness of BCA and the broader blindness sector um, but also the time that these campaigns can take so you know it, it is not a um, it's not a, a short-term process um, often to get to get change but um, we're really committed to it and um, with the help of our members of which we have um, around about three thousand um, members we um, we can actually affect change so yeah, that's pretty much a summary of what we do.
0: Wow, and that sounds like a lot of work. I'm really curious about um, with the connection because you know, blindness and low vision are very much a low incidence disability area. And so when you talk about um, you know, having multiple centers, I'm sure that there are going to be people who are blind or have low vision in more isolated settings, particularly you know, in um, rural and remote settings. Do you have ways for them to be able to connect with your community?
1: Absolutely, I think you know a lot of what we do um, doesn't happen face to face, and that's that's actually been the case for a long time. It's it's been um, probably increasingly the case um, due to COVID, um, but we've we've always used. Um, we've been around for forty five years, and we've always used. Um, you know, the telephone as our primary means of communication and teleconferencing and now we, have of course, are using um, technologies like Zoom to communicate and more and more of our local branches um, are using um, those technologies to ensure that um, people in regional and remote um, communities have the opportunity to participate. Now, of course, that's only half the battle because you've also got the challenge of actually making sure that people in those communities are aware um, that they can connect and so you know that is a struggle that we have and that we continue to to work through but but certainly those opportunities exist and I think it's one of the advantages of for example our convention um, having gone online um, this year I I think that from now on and, and we had been working towards this but I think that Um, it's accelerated by COVID and that from now on, we will always offer an online stream, um, you know, certainly for as long as I'm in this role um, to to ensure that people who can't attend face-to-face for whatever reason, I mean, we know there are lots of reasons why face-to-face can be difficult um, so that people can have that option to still attend and and interact. I mean, we've always provided um, a stream of our conventions. But the difference this time is that um, people were also able to ask questions and interact um, online. So I think we'll continue that, um, that option as well, so.
0: And we've certainly found that with, at the Renick Centre that um, we're actually getting more enrolments for our online events because people don't have to travel anymore, so we're getting absolutely. a bigger, more global audience. It's so interesting, isn't it?
1: Yep, yep, absolutely.
0: And I'm also really interested in the work that you did when you were the CEO of Arts Access Australia and um, some of your advocacy for um, funding models for for people who are blind and low vision with the arts. Are you able to tell us a little bit more about that work?
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, it feels like a very long time ago. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> You've had such a,
0: an amazing career
1: already. <laughs> yeah, so um, look, I... Um, Really enjoyed my time as CEO of Arts Access Australia. Um, I think I've been lucky to have two of my dream jobs, um, you know, AAA and, and BCA. Um, I think uh, I guess one of the one of the achievements that I had, um, and it wasn't just mine; it was an achievement of the whole organisation and a, a fantastic team and fantastic membership, was that um, we we were able to. Um, were able to advocate for dedicated funding for artists with disability um, from the Australia Council for the first time now, Um, that may not sound like you know anything um, amazing but when you consider that um, there is a huge gap um, for people with disability in terms of getting access to um, arts education and getting access to quality training and support in the arts Um, The the need for dedicated funding to kind of bridge that gap um, was really significant and um, we were very lucky in that we we were able to, I guess, capitalize on something pretty awful that happened um, back in 2013, which was that the government uh, of the day introduced a national cultural policy um, and and the only reference it made to people with disability was in terms of the fact that we needed to have a culture of, of tolerance towards people with disability. Now, um, yes. you can imagine that that really upset a lot of people. Um, but instead of sort of, um, I guess, ranting and raving, we, we took the, the view that we would simply um, write to um, the minister. And many of us did that. And I think, you know, it's often a numbers game. And... Um, the, the minister really did sit up and and took notice, and um, we were very fortunate that we um, you know had a fantastic built a fantastic relationship both with the minister and with the Australia Council, um, and and got a number of things put in place. We also um, had a uh, leadership program um, for people with disability um, that was that was a, a, an initiative that Arts Access Australia put forward, and we're very pleased that the Australia Council accepted that. So. I think it has. I think we still have a long way to go in terms of um, building the profile of artists with disability and and building leadership opportunities for artists with disability in Australia. But I think um, those initiatives certainly have gone a long way to uh, to setting us on that path. So yeah, it, it is very exciting and um, and 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 continuing fantastic work that's happening within Arts Access Australia um, to. To make sure that that um, focus on leadership continues. They've got a national leadership award now and, and various other um, programs so that's fantastic.
0: I think what's so important about that work, Emma, is just I guess reminding people that people with disability can be artists, you know, that yeah. we can have people with hearing loss who absolutely can be musical artists just like you are or people mm. with, who are blind or vision can also be visual artists and so I think mm. Just, mm. just the work of just reminding people that a disability doesn't prevent you from st- also being creative and, and having something to, to offer and their own voice. I think that, that's so powerful and I really commend that work that you did. It's really, it's, it, I think it's certainly changed the conversation about art in Australia.
1: Yeah, thank you. I hope so. I mean, look, the, the arts and disability movement's been around in Australia for a long time. And I think, um, you know, we've still, as I said, still got a long way to go, but I think, um, I think we are getting there. Things are ch- starting to change
0: absolutely and all because of that work so well done (laughs) you talked before around and you know we're all talking about the influence of COVID on our lives at the moment and um, you talked already about the conference needing to go online and we're all having to learn online now spending most of our lives in Zoom and we historically may not have spent very much time online at all Has, has COVID had other influences on your work at BCA?
1: um absolutely I mean um the obvious influences are that we've you know we we've worked very quickly to establish um our happy hours which were well they still are opportunities for people to come together initially just to talk because we knew that people were really really isolated and we wanted to give people a way to connect with each other as well as with us um so that that was kind of the the initial aspect of what we did then we we started to sort of talk to people and say well what would you what would you like these happy hours to look like? And we started to, um, you know, invite guest speakers and do all of those sorts of things. And um, and our happy hours are still going. Um, and I think will will be a feature of BCA's work, um, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, so, and I, I think what COVID has really highlighted from from our perspective is that many of us already felt isolated. Um, many people who are blind or vision impaired. Um, already experienced high levels of isolation, anxiety, mental health issues. Um, COVID just um, highlighted and probably exacerbated um, that for a lot of people. Um, I mean I'm making a generalisation but I think um, I think it's a pretty know, safe
0: generalisation. It's, it's a pretty safe
1: generalisation <laughs> to make, and and we already know that there's a there's a clear intersection. I mean, research proves there's a clear intersection between blindness and and mental health. So um, it's not a surprise to any of us who <laughs> who um who work in the in the sector. Um, but I think the the other aspect that it's really changed um, for us has been that you know for myself. Um, for others in the organisation, um, we used to do an enormous amount of travel to to try to you know get out to people, um, whether that be members or um, partners or you know other stakeholders. And of course, we haven't been able to do that. So I think, as for many people, I mean, my life has felt like a never-ending um, Zoom meeting. Um, and you know, on the one hand, it's fantastic that we've got that technology, but um, it's also you know really really challenging then to try and kind of maintain work-life balance and all of those sorts of things. So I think that's been interesting. And the and the other um, area where we've had to make some changes is that we were doing um, a really exciting project called Eye to the Future of Employment, which was um, very much around changing employer attitudes to employment of people who are blind or vision impaired and doing that through a number of different strands. One was an internship program, which we've been able to... Um, to do some work on Um, but the other was um, around um, getting employers and recruiters into the room to hear from people who are blind or vision impaired and their employers about how they've navigated the process and and busting some of the myths and misconceptions um, to try to make employment um, yeah, seem less daunting and terrifying, I think, for employers. So, um, unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. We were really looking forward to doing some major symposiums and making those quite significant events. Um, but we are moving them online, and we're doing those, um, you know, later this month. So, um, it's not that we haven't been able to achieve what we were, what we planned to achieve, but we have certainly had to do certain things. Um, quite differently and I think we've learned a lot I think what was what's been very helpful for BCA is that we already worked remotely Um, Mm -hmm. so we have 17 staff now across um, five states and um, that was a very deliberate decision that we made several years ago when I came on board Um, to basically say, we want to employ more people who are blind or vision impaired and those people do not only live in Sydney and Melbourne. And so, <laughs> that um, is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So we so we had to um, think about how we did that. And that of course precipitated us um, implementing new, a whole lot of new systems, new phone system, new computer systems. Um, but that meant that we we're really well placed for COVID. Um, it wasn't as big an a challenge as it might've been, so yeah.
0: yeah. Interesting, isn't it? I think it's affected all of us in terms of the way that we interact with people now. And it doesn't, I think geography doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't matter what no, do no. or, or, um, what's around you, as long as you've got yeah. a decent internet access and a computer, <laughs> all right. things are possible, aren't they?
1: <laughs> exactly, yep. yep.
0: Yep. And and Emma, you are one of our keynotes at the Spevy online conference on the 18th and 19th of January. I know you're going to be elaborating a lot more around the COVID influence. And we're really looking forward to that um, have you had a long association with with SPEVI and and teachers who are bl- of students who are blind and
1: absolutely? Happy yeah, I've had a very long association, sort of on the periphery with SPEVI. I think I might have sung at a few SPEVI <laughs> conferences in my time, um, but a very very strong relationship with with many um, teachers of of students who are blind or vision impaired, both in Queensland where I'm originally from, and also um, here in Tasmania where I now live. Um, so you know I feel very much part of that um, community I attended you know national brown music camps for many years so um, yeah it's very close to my my heart and um, I, I enjoy nothing more than um, the opportunity to come and speak to you know students and parents um, about you know blindness and vision impairment um, and you know the, the education process so Yes, yeah, so I'm very excited <clears throat> and and honoured to be um, invited to be a keynote speaker, and um, yeah, really looking forward to the opportunity to 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 speak. But also, we'll be attending the entire conference, so really looking forward to hearing from others as well.
0: I think it's going to be a fantastic two days of learning, and we will make available both links to BCA and Emma and her podcast, the New Horizons podcast, and the SPEVI conference. So please go to the show notes if. You're looking for more information or want to enrol so that you have a chance to hear more from Emma in a longer form presentation but Emma for now it's been such an interesting conversation I've really enjoyed having you with us so thanks so much for joining us today
1: no problem thanks for having me Trudy really appreciate it